evening as the sun went down and the jungle fire was burning, down the track came a hobo hiking, and he said, boys, I'm not turning. I'm headed for a land that's far away, beside the crystal fountains. So come with me, we'll go and see the big rock candy mountains. And we're back. This dump on the ump. Ostensibly a baseball podcast, season five, week 28. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Coming at you straight from Champaign, Illinois, my name is Joel. With me this evening, as per usual, is Sam. Sam, how's it going? Oh. You there? Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Sam, how's Uh, it going? I'm coming at you as usual from Brooklyn, New York. <clears throat> My hot take for this week is that it's fucking hot outside. Yeah. Um, not record temperatures, but it's definitely the hottest weekend probably of the past two years uh, in the high 90s with 75% humidity. And people are fucking pissed off. Like I was walking around outside yesterday <clears throat> and nobody was outside on the street. And the few people who were were, like, screaming at each other. It was really great. I did not leave my house for two and a half days. Nice. <laughs> you just, because like, went to Binnie's and then, like, hunkered down? Hunkered down. Turned the AC on, sat in my bedroom. <laughs> yep. Going, like, full crazy hermit, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, finally, I had to leave the house today to get food and additional supplies. Today was cooler here, though. Is it still? Yeah, it's cooler there? here, but we've had crazy thunderstorms. Like, you'll actually uh, probably hear it on the pod. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just If you hear something crazy, that's these, like, crazy heat thunderstorms that we've been having, which are, like, extremely violent and on and off. Do you have a flash flood warning also? Yeah, probably. I mean, we do, but I just, I've never seen, like, a flood in Brooklyn. I live kind of in the high area, though. Like, we've had, like, you know, Hurricane or Super Storm Sandy, as it's known, because it wasn't actually a hurricane. And that flooded the shit out of a lot of parts um, of New York, but not where I live. Nice. Just getting ready for the post-apocalyptic future in which we all live in huts on top of the water right well you're like better positioned for that than i am true central illinois is a good place to be society collapses and you'll probably be okay but i'll be like dead in minutes for the most part the only thing i got to worry about i guess is the corn and tornadoes right yeah i just feel like i would get way too excited about rioting and i would just be killed immediately (laughs) you know (laughs) <laughs> you just grab a baseball bat. Yeah. Funny riot. I'd be like, it's happening! And then, like, immediately get run over by a car. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Like, um, I've been waiting for that shit my whole life, and I just can't, like, too excited. Yeah, I, I concur. I 100% concur. Ladies and gentlemen, coming at you from Champaign, my name is Joel. My hot take for the evening 
White Sox outfielder and friend of the show, Eloy Jimenez, he needs to have his own Spanish-language talk show. I'm going to get on that bandwagon right now. We need to have an evening with Eloy. He's on the I.O. right now with a bum elbow. Hopefully it's nothing too severe. They say he'll be able to come back by August, tentatively. So he was in the dugout when the White Sox were playing the Tampa Bay Rays, and he was just hamming it up for the camera the entire time. And they had this whole game where it was like, can Eloy spot which camera is on at that time? And so they've got him looking at camera one, looking at camera two, looking at camera three, looking at camera two. And he was so good at it. He knew exactly where to go. And he is so good at just mugging the camera. I'm telling you, he needs a Hollywood star right now. All right. The future of Major League Baseball is going to be Eloy Jimenez with his own possibly podcast, possibly on our podcast, telling hilarious jokes in Spanish about playing baseball and we're just gonna laugh at him i don't speak any spanish at all but eli if you're listening come on the pod tell hilarious jokes and we will laugh at them even though we won't understand them yeah he could have like one of those weird like telemundo variety daytime talk shows you know what i mean where Mm -hmm. it's just like he sings he dances he like interviews people and then he, like, dumped slime on top of them, you know? It's like every yes. single TV show in America combined into one TV show. Yes. <laughs> he, he is made for that, I right. swear to God. He's got the charisma to be, like, a very good interviewer of other people. And I feel like he's a big, like, he's a big kid, right? And so he, yeah. he loved to just dump slime on someone right. <laughs> after interviewing them about, like, the Puerto Rican financial crisis right. for 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. It's like the mayor of San Jose, and he just, like, <laughs> just, like, just dumps a bucket of slime. What can we call this? Like, uh, no, it's just like a regular, like, Latin variety show. Like, yeah, exactly. The, yeah. Put it on the moon, though. It would be a hit. Yeah. And he's like six foot five. Right. Yeah. Which would be awesome. All right. All right. So that's my plan. I would would hate that. (laughs) I know he would. It would be Eli's least favorite TV show, probably. (laughs) It would be Eli's least favorite TV show. We should try to get Eli to be a guest on Eli's Telemundo. But it would be like a weird, like Jerry Springer gotcha moment, you know, where it's like, Let's bring out the father of your child now. And Eli right. just walks out, but it's Eloy Jimenez's talk show. <laughs> and Eloy just, like, does a dance all around Eli, you know? And it's all in Spanish. Right, and the it's... whole thing is in Spanish, right. <laughs> oh, man. Gold. Absolute gold. Write a letter. We've got a plan. <laughs> Um, shout out to everybody who continues to listen to the podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, make sure that if you listen to us on Apple iTunes, please give us a rating, a review, and a subscription. Tell your friends to subscribe to Dump on the Ump on Apple iTunes. 
Uh, last week, we only put out two episodes because we were broadcasting on a Thursday. Shout out to everyone who listened to them, though. Bend, Providence, Champaign, Bozeman, Montana, Barcelona, Spain, Irvine, California, Chicago, Yanakawa, Finland. That's a new one. Cool. Port Moresby, Papua New Guinea, West Orange, New Jersey, Port Washington, New York, Houston, Texas, Colossin, Thailand, Rumford, Rhode Island, Quincy, Massachusetts. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Please keep it up. Special shout out to our friend Patty. He listened to last week's episode about our Hall of Fame ruminations. Sent us a text. Why is it Mo Vaughn in the Hall of Fame? Right. He texted me this morning and was like, do you know why Mo Vaughn's not in the Hall of Fame? And I was like, oh, I don't know. And he's like, maybe because he wasn't racist enough. And so the running theory is that if he had just been, you know, a little more vocal about hating Whitey, then he might make it into the Hall of Fame. Truth is, though, Patty, if you're listening to this episode, is that Mobon just wasn't good enough to be in the Hall of Fame. He doesn't have the career numbers. And he kind of had like a really seriously good first eight or so years of his career and really tanked after that. Uh, You know, the big men don't have the same sort of shelf life for Major League Baseball. Friend, you know, dump on the ump all-star Bartolo Colon is the exception to that rule. Right. Well, he was... He was AL MVP in 1995, his right. fourth year in the big leagues. He was only in Major League Base only in Major League Baseball for 12 years, three-time All-Star, one-time MVP. He's in the Boston Red Sox Hall of Fame for what's that for what that's worth. Yeah, he was a good player. Yeah, he just he retired at 35, and he was done probably by 32, you know, and so. Yeah, hmm. that's interesting. The the role of longevity on your career, how your career is viewed. Maybe we should come back to that in. Yeah, the, uh, well, we can B- mention that in our B block. We have a B yeah, block. We're, we're gonna talk more about the Hall of Fame in the B block. We also talked about the Hall of Fame last week. Sam, did you watch any of the actual induction ceremonies? No, because God, are you kidding I, me? That's, no. Yeah. <laughs> It's like the most boring shit in the world. A bunch of old right. men talking about how good they are, you know? Yeah, I'd rather watch golf. <laughs> it's basically the same thing. <laughs> like, at this point, all of those guys are golfers, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> they would dominate golf. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, let's get into our headlines for this week, and I will go first. Sam... Boston Red Sox dropped two games out of three to the Baltimore Orioles this weekend, giving Boston their first series loss to the Orioles since 2017. The Red Sox lost the first game of the series 11-2. They won the second 17-6 and then lost the finale 5-0 in what looked like an embarrassing one-hit effort against Asher Wojciechowski, who has a a career 6.02 ERA in the bigs. This series is a perfect example of the inconsistency that has plagued the Red Sox this year, which we've talked about, leaving both the team and the Boston fan base frustrated. So, question, should the Boston Red Sox be sellers at the end of this month? 
Uh, that's kind of a tough question. There's like a number of different answers to it. Um, <clears throat> I think that the Boston Red Sox are never going to be like true sellers, um, especially like at the team they have now is very young uh, and has a lot of talent. So there's not a lot of pieces that they would want to or feel like they should get rid of right now for future rebuilds because their rebuild, they have such a young team already. Uh, there's a couple pieces that like, if they were to give up on this season, they could try to move, but they would be difficult to move because they'd be people like, Dave, you know, David garbage time price, um, right. who is owed still, still so much money. Um, and, you know, the only one that they probably could move if they were trying to get, you know, give up on this season would be Chris Sale, who I think that they are probably going to try to lock up a little bit long term. So I don't think that they will be sellers. I do think it's time for some heads to roll. Interesting. Uh, because, okay. you know, they won the World Series last year and that's great. But like a team with a lot of talent that's playing inconsistent, uh, that speaks to a lot of different things but coaching is usually the reason for it it's like unrest in the clubhouse or like um changing in training routines blah 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 and i think that probably they should get rid of their uh pitching coach they should just fire his ass um because i i feel like the team is underperforming to a certain extent that some something's got to give because they're playing so far below their potential. Um, and somebody's got to go. I feel like Alex Cora won the World Series as the head coach last year, or the manager last year. And so he's safe at least until next season. But somebody's got to go, I think. I think it's very interesting how difficult it is for baseball teams and baseball franchises to play the expectations game. Boston, of course, came into the season with very, very high expectations, and they haven't been living up to them, maybe because they overperformed their expectations last season. Because I think if you're almost any other franchise, you're not even considering selling at this point. You are, what, two games out of the second wild card, I believe? Right. So, tech, you know, you're above 500 you are still in the playoff race. Any other franchise, you would be thinking, we need to pick up a couple more pieces. You Maybe you're not going to pick up the 11 games you need to catch the New York Yankees in the division race, but you're only two games behind the Oakland Athletics for the second wild card, three games behind the Cleveland Indians for the first wild card. Right. So, so really... What pieces could Boston add to make them more competitive? On the flip side, is the shelf bare? I feel like the last couple of seasons, the Red Sox have been shipping out most of their prospects to get their pitching staff, and among others. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. And also, so like if they were to sell... The other thing is that they have either the highest or the second highest payroll in Major League Baseball. Right. So if they were to end a depleted farm system, as you mentioned, from trades that brought us uh, Chris Sale, a couple of relievers like Tyler Thornburg that turned out to be a bust. Um, And so 
what we need to do, like if we were to ship anybody out, it would be to try to a bring down our payroll costs to go after a free agent in the next coming years and to like replenish a depleted farm system. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but I, as a fan, am very frustrated with the team right now because they can't seem to get their shit together. Because that's the way it seems. It's like there's a lot of talent there, and there's no reason that we can't, like, that we should get spanked by the Baltimore Orioles two games out of three. Right. That shouldn't be a thing. Right, right. You shouldn't get one hit by Asher Wojciechowski. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, and we shouldn't give up 11 ga- runs in the first game. Right. You know. Who was the pitcher in that game? Do you know? David Price. Oh, okay. That explains a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And he's been having a pretty good year, but he also is inconsistent, as he has been for his entire time with the Red Sox. Yeah. Well, let me we talked a little bit about this. I want to bring this up real quick because on the Twitter machine, the stat. Between David Price and David Eckersley, uh, Dennis Eckersley, like, came up again. And as someone not, you know, tuned into the Boston sports media, I was a little taken amiss by why there seemed to be so much vitriol going on in this Eckersley-Price feud. Can you shed any light on that? Uh, I think they're both totally insane um, and both kind of, like, type A diva personalities, I would say, has a lot to do with it. Also, I feel like the media has a huge deal to do with it. Uh, The Boston sports media is like probably per capita, the largest sports reporting like staff in the entire country. Um, It's the sports media in Boston is really good, but it's, it's a huge machine. And so like everything gets reported on to death. Right. Um, And this is a thing that, you know, keeps coming up. And I feel like both sides of it, you know, it was never resolved. Uh, And uh, I think what David Price was is that he tried to set up a meeting to apologize to Dennis Eckersley after the first incident. And Dennis Eckersley canceled that meeting. Um, So nothing was ever really resolved. And it just came back up again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think a reporter asked Dennis Eckersley about it, and he responded, and then David Price responded to that on Twitter, and then in a a different thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, the kind of crucible that is a big market sports media, especially Boston. I think the only other comparable media would be the New York sports media, because I this is my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think Chicago is that intense on its sports figures as Boston. And I don't believe Los Angeles is either. Well, none of those cities are as competitive. Yeah, they're just size. They're bigger. So, yeah, I I see your point. Your point's valid. Competitiveness is what matters more than per capita size. Well, also in fan base, like I feel like New England and the Boston area – probably cares more about like more people are sports fans in new england than possibly anywhere else in the country yeah i would probably agree with that because it's so goddamn cold there's nothing else to do right yeah (laughs) go to california they're like what we could go surfing or skiing or just on the beach weed is legal here 
<laughs> Why do we care about the San Diego Padres? <laughs> yeah, just head down. Like, their involvement with the San Diego Padres is to head down to the Eric Hosmer-owned weed dispensary <laughs> slash glass bead store, you know? <laughs> yeah. You just pick up some edibles, go to that Petco Park, and you don't even, right. it doesn't even matter. You don't even care who's playing. Yeah. Weave each other hemp friendship bracelets. Oh, yeah. San Diego sounds beautiful. We should go. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Yeah, moving on. Okay, uh, here's one. Uh, Nicholas Castellanos. Uh, excuse me if I'm mispronouncing that name. Um, plays for the Detroit Tigers, and he called today Comerica, the center field at Comerica Park a joke. Complaining about the cavernous dimensions of the Tigers' home field, Comerica Park, Castellanos griped that Tigers players can't be compared to other teams in terms of power numbers because center field is 420 feet away. Do you think that's a legit complaint? Or is it just the ramblings of a like dissatisfied millionaire playing in a non-competitive team? Yeah, that short answer, not legitimate complaint. Right. Right. Like it's that's what people start complaining when you're 29 and 60 or whatever the Tigers are right now. Right. Right. I mean, there are division rivals. White Sox are below 500, but we're like 15 games ahead of the Detroit Tigers or something with <laughs> that. Like right. so, yeah. Shut the hell up, Detroit. You right. don't hear them complaining about that when they're going to the World Series or whatever. Uh, right. Second point, and this, you know, this mostly refers to Coors Field, I suppose, is that, you know, both teams are playing on the same field, right? I understand that there are differences where, really, the home team should have the advantage because they understand the outfield better than the visiting team. They sure. understand the dimensions of the ballpark better than the visiting team. But at the end of the day, you're both playing on the same damn playing field. Now, let's entertain his argument for a minute. Again, going to the Coors Field example, if I were Colorado Rockies pitcher, I would be a little irritated that half of my games are played at Mile High Stadium. And that's going to naturally... Coors Field. I know, but I said Mile High Stadium to infer that we are literally a mile above sea level. Right. I know it's Coors Field, but that's why... Mile High Stadium's a different ballpark. I get it, I get it. But the air is thin, the balls travel further, people are going to hit more home runs. They keep the balls in, like, pressurized containers to, like, make them not travel farther, supposedly. But the stats, I mean, yeah, that, I, that's true. But the stats still, like, you hit way more off. The, the offense is way better at Coors Field than any place else. Um, and that can affect, I guess, if Castellanos has a point, it's going to affect his bottom line because... His OPS and his slugging percentage is going to be lower because he plays half of his games at Comerica Park. But then don't have that signed into your contract and trust that scouts understand that, I guess. Does that make any sense? Yeah. 
that like they know they're not like oh this guy sucks because Comerica Park is I mean he he probably sucks anyway but because Comerica Park center field is 420 feet away. I mean Fenway Park center field is 420 feet away too. But and you've got the green uh monster green yeah, wall. Yeah the the corners are pretty close though. So. Mhm. Every park is different, and that's one of the things that makes makes Major League Baseball awesome. Right? right? Like, that's something I really like. The union can argue if they want to, like, really, like, you need to argue that into your contract. Like, okay, my OPS is going to be lower because I'm playing half my games at Comerica Park. Right. But, I, uh, yeah, I also think that, like, on the flip side, the pitchers love probably pitching in that. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure they do. I guess that it, the problem is, how are you incentivizing, like, oh, if you get 30 home runs, we'll pay you an extra half a million dollars. Or if you make the all-star team, which is partially based on your batting statistics, but not really based on your batting statistics, are you going to get a bonus off of that? And is right. that going to affect you with your contract? Long story short, no, he doesn't have a leg to stand on. Stop complaining. Get a new job selling sausages. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of teams have played in that ballpark and done just fine. Yeah, exactly. They, they, I think the Detroit Tigers are an interesting franchise because they haven't won a World Series since, I believe, the 1980s, 1984 or 86. I think it was 1984. But they've been to the World Series twice in the 2000s. Right. Well, uh, also, Miguel Cabrera won the Triple Crown playing in that ball. Playing in the, yeah. yeah. He's good. So, I mean... Curtis Granderson? Yeah. Maybe you're just not good enough. Not that good I think if you're complaining about the ballpark, then, like, there's something more going on there. Yeah, then you're losing the argument. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right, last thing, and then we're going to move on. Uh, we're going to wrap it up. So, uh, at a Philadelphia Phillies game last week, ball got hit. You know, it was a, a foul ball. Two young children chased after the ball hit into the stands. First young boy grabbed the ball, and then, instead of keeping it, he handed it to the other boy. As they walked back to the seats, the second boy hugged the first to thank him for his generosity. It was a heartwarming moment caught on camera for all to see. Sam, is this the future of fan behavior in Major League Baseball? Well, I think I'm of two minds about this. The stronger, louder mind tells me that this is what's wrong with America right now. Totally. The action of these children, like these children are just going to grow up to be like leeches on society because they can't take anything that they want for themselves. You know? Socialists. Right. <clears throat> this is socialism, folks. Like this is the future of your country. Um, the other part of me believes that it was a conspiracy by Major <laughs> League Baseball. This is the nagging part. That's like this is. This is Philadelphia. This is the city of brotherly love. And then all of a sudden, these two children are, like, sharing a baseball or some shit. Right. Kids don't do that. That's right. not a thing, you know? Especially not in Philadelphia. Right, especially not in Philadelphia. Yeah. Like, if there was ever a city that needed some positive PR, like, 
<laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, like Philadelphia fans, they have their, uh, they, you know, on their sleeves is like they are the worst, most rudest fans in all of sports fandom across sports. Right? right. Phillies, Eagles, Sixers, Flyers. Right. They don't go to Philadelphia, man. They will. Yeah, they almost killed Santa Claus with snowballs. <laughs> right. <laughs> That was the thing. That happened. I remember that. <laughs> this volunteer Santa was almost killed by Philadelphia Eagles fans with snowballs. <laughs> That's what they live for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, we talked last week about my Thai guy in Chicago who robbed two young fans of a Kyle Schwarber walk-off home run. Like, as an adult, I would argue that you should give a baseball to a child if you catch it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But if you're raising a child, you need to teach that child to be the fiercest, most vicious child to the baseball and right. hold on to it for dear life. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> also, I feel like if you're an adult and you have a child of your own and they're not at the ballpark, but you catch the ball, then you keep it for your kid. Oh, that's a good call. And that's kind of the ultimate sacrifice because you look like the douchebag on TV. Right. But they don't know that you've got some child at home that you're going right. to gift this ball to. I like yeah. that. Because, like, fuck that kid sitting in the stands next to you. you know? Right. Yeah. That's not your kid. No. You're never going to meet that like, kid again. If you're an adult and you're drinking Mai Tais in Chicago, then you should go fuck yourself. Like, Mai Tai, if you're not drinking Mai Tai on, like, the beach, then then you have a problem, I think. Well, yeah, you've got more than one problem. Right. If you, you have to be, like, within one mile of an ocean to drink, like, a body of salt water to drink a Mai Tai, I think. Oh, that's an interesting principle as an adult like if you're like a 19 year old sorority girl then go for it you know okay okay did we drink mai tais in brooklyn i guess brooklyn is a mile away from a body of ocean yeah yeah also we didn't no <laughs> we had lots of fruity drinks there. uh slushy yeah yeah we had pain we went to a lot of we had like a, a bunch okay. of drinks, yeah, yeah made with yeah. like 150 proof rum, though. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's what you need. You need. But two. also, we're like right next to the ocean. That that was my second point. Yeah. So like, can so, you technically be anywhere in the New York metropolitan area and be allowed to drink a mai tai by? Yeah, probably. Okay. If you were so inclined. You could be on, like, Prince Edward Island and drink a Mai Tai. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Gotcha. Just not Chicago. Just not Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> like, old style or nothing, you know? Yeah, right. And what is that weird, like, Polish Malort. liquor? Malort. Yeah, Malort. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got you a shot of Malort. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. You could have a Mai Tai made with Malort, I guess. <laughs> no rum. Just no rum. 
Yeah. And Kuka Cow and Triple Thank. Oh my God. Yeah. I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> okay. Hi, <laughs> right, Lee. <laughs> yeah, but to hell with my Thai guy, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay, thank you so much for listening. This has been the A Block on Dump on the Yump, ostensibly a baseball podcast. Uh, make sure you check us out on all your social media platforms. That includes Apple iTunes if you like it. Give us a rating, a review, and subscribe. Tell your friends also. You can check us out on SoundCloud.com. We are on Spotify. You can also tweet at us at Dump on the Ump, uh, Instagram, or Facebook. Anything I'm forgetting? Email us if you have any concerns or complaints. Dump yeah. at gmail.com. Also, we don't check our email. Also, if you leave us a review, we'll read it on the air. True. And respond. Yes. Good or bad. Uh, and and if, if you're going to leave us a one star review, don't be a fucking coward and write something. Yeah, write something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's a good and point. And then we can respond to it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Ladies and gentlemen, hey, thanks so much for listening. Um, have a good evening and a pleasant tomorrow. In the big rock candy mouth, there's a land that's fair and bright, where the handguns grow on bushes, and you sleep out every night, where the box cars all are empty, and the sun shines every day. On the birds and the bees and the cigarette trees, the lemonade springs where the bluebird sings in the big rock candy mountains.